Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello, everyone. Ridiculous historians, thank you for tuning in. This is the show where we look at some of the strangest, weirdest, most bizarre, and yes, ridiculous people, places, things, and events throughout the span of human civilization. Animals, vegetables, minerals. Mm-hmm. Today, I'm not sure which category this topic falls under, but it's it's a thing. Mm-hmm. It's historically driven. And it's a fun thing, too. It is a fun thing. You know what just happened I want to point out, by the way? Ben. What's that, Noel? Our super producer, Casey Pegram said, okay, start talking, go, right, go. He literally cracked the whip at us. I, I, well, because you, you had, you had thrown both Casey and I under the bus before the, oh. before the show oh. started. Oh, <laughs> had I? Yeah, by, okay. uh, by saying that you were more grateful than anyone for a particularly surprising, amazing thing we have happening well, in th- this episode. That's just me overcompensating. You know this about me, Ben. You know this about me. <laughs> Do you want? How about this? Let's let's drop the drop the goods. What do we have today? That's so right. Cool and that's correct. Yeah. So we have today uh, an amazing story about an iconic food product that everyone in the U.S. is aware of, and I assume many people throughout the world are aware of this. It is called spam. But you and I are not exploring this story alone today. Thank God. (laughs) We called in an expert. Uh, Folks, we'd like to introduce you to our friend and today's co-host, Annie Reese. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for having me, you guys. Did you know that you were a spam expert, Annie? 
Spam, <laughs> spam spurt. You know, I'm. That sounds I, disgusting. Babe. That does sound really gross. Yeah, it didn't it's, work it's out. It's like what happens when you open the can and a little bit of the juice That's squirts what it in is. your eye. Yeah. Oh, I did not need that mental image. You did. No, you didn't gosh. know it, but you did. <laughs> Any okay, expert? Maybe not. I don't know. We're all kind of like. Uh, armchair experts on a lot of things. We have a good time researching. I don't know how you would get the qualification of spam expert, but I'm going to refer to you as our spam spirit guide today. How about that? Oh, yeah. I uh, like how about that. spam consultant? Spam consultant. I'm going to go with spam consultant. That sounds like a, an email. Like I come in and <laughs> you're getting a lot of spam. You sort it out. You, you yeah. like, uh, like make all the filters on your email. Set I feel up, like you know. I'm, I'm shopping at a grocery store and I'm going, oh, wait, there's so many different things. And then you appear. Yeah. And you explain it in a step-by-step basis. And I just mm-hmm. want you to know that I am um, preemptively very appreciative of that. <laughs> I I feel like I'd be good at that. I'm not sure. But. You are very efficient. <laughs> Thank and, you. And you are, uh, you are a co-host of our food podcast, Savor Food, Lifestyle, Travel. Could you tell us a little bit about Savor? Yeah. Um, Savor is a show where we explore the science, history, culture of food and drinks and why we like what we like and how you can get more of that. It used to be called Food Stuff. We recently rebranded, but we did a whole episode on Spam (laughs) um, back when it was old school Food Stuff. And I have a confession to make that Noel and I were talking about briefly before this. Anyone who knows anything about uh, Apple Podcast reviews, Mm -hmm. you don't read them unless you're a masochist. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right. Which I am. (laughs) Well, you are a braver soul than me. But one time a friend of mine left a review and was like, you've got to go find it. You've got to read it. And I said, do you know what you're asking me to do? Mm -hmm. But eventually I I got over it and delved into the the nightmare world. You waded into the shark pit (laughs) that is podcast reviews? I like like the reviews. I like reading it. Oh, that might say something about you. (laughs) But it might say something about me as well. But one of the number one recurring negative reviews Mm -hmm. was that I have never tried any of the foods we're talking about. And when we recorded Spam, I had not tried it. Yeah. That was You're you're very open about it on the show, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it seems like a very misplaced complaint. You know, you're copying to it. You're owning up to it. You Honestly, maybe it's better that you haven't tasted the stuff. It it makes you more objective about it. Have have you (laughs) still not tried it? I tried it afterwards. Uh, I went and got um, Spam Subi. And that was it was lovely. Spam what? Musubi. Musubi. Ah. Yeah. It's a very popular it's you can find it in convenience stores in Hawaii. Mm. That's how popular it is. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of to me looks like nigiri, like sushi, mm-hmm. but it's it's spam. Oh yes. Okay, yeah. I'm familiar with that. And what we know nowadays is that it, in most grocery stores that carry spam, you won't just see the iconic regular garden variety spam. You'll see stuff like Turkey spam, spam with bacon, spam light. And because this is so recognizable, we have to ask ourselves, how, how did this thing, which people love or hate, how did it become so ubiquitous in the world today? How, how come everybody, vegetarians, vegans included, know what you're talking about when you say spam? Well, first of all, it's good branding, right? Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> it fun is. to say. The spa sound is one of my favorite sounds. <laughs> and then add the am, and it's just a delight to say out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's meant to be an acronym, but the uh, origin of what this acronym actually might be is a little bit lost to history, or it's kind of a little murky, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are a couple of stories about uh, where the name came from, from the people who should know where it came from. <laughs> 
Uh, one is that it's like spiced ham, mm-hmm. or maybe it stands for scientifically processed animal matter. Animal matter. Animal Doesn't matter. that sound not so delicious? Not quite meat. <laughs> <laughs> animal matter. And there's there's others too. There's a shoulder of pork and ham, mm-hmm. and like you said, spiced ham. And then if we want to really get into the weeds, that's utterly not food related. There's stop pornography and abusive marketing act. There's oh, also the state police association yeah. of Massachusetts. Oh. Lest we forget. <laughs> I didn't realize that, that was in the running. For Schools what's... of the Pacific Atmospheric Monitoring. Society mm. for the Publication of American Music. Uh, Systems Personnel Activity Meeting. That's from Yale. And my personal favorite, Society for Palm Top Advancement Through Meetings. Oh. Through only through meetings. That seems <laughs> like a fascinating use of time. Um, but okay, so spam, it, it, it dates back to 1937 in a town called Austin, Minnesota, a.k.a. Spam Town, USA. Mm-hmm. And it was made by Hormel Foods. Uh, They initially pitched it as a way to help uh, busy homemakers serve quick and easy pork dishes without having to slave away for hours in front of an oven. But in like an Edward Bernays-style stroke of genius, it also did a thing where it – Hormel, the guy, um, had a slaughterhouse, and he had these byproduct parts that weren't uh, very sellable, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. the pork shoulder. Um, We now kind of dig pork shoulder. That's like a thing that's like a delicacy, right? Or like people eat it at the Thanksgiving table or whatever, right? People are into it now, yeah. For barbecue, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But he had this surplus of pork shoulder. It was not a popular cut. And so he wanted to figure out a way to make this, uh, as you say, Ben, convenient uh, product that could be marketed to homemakers um, who were all about canned food at the time. It was all the rage. And they haven't really uh, futzed with the ingredients too much. You know, it's, it's strange because when you think of shelf-stable, that shelf-stable being the term for stuff that can stay at room temperature without going bad, mm-hmm. or I guess getting worse than it originally was, <laughs> when you think of that, you usually think of a ton of chemicals with so many syllables in the name that it sounds like a spell from Harry Potter, right? Right. But in the case of Spam, they have, what, six ingredients? There's just pork slash ham, salt, water, potato starch, sugar, and, of course, sodium nitrate. Of course, for color. Yes, that captivating pinkish hue. <laughs> it's a, it's a mm-hmm. great way to describe it. So Spam didn't immediately become this worldwide sensation. There were other things happening across the planet that eventually would lead to uh, spam becoming like the king of canned meat. And it, it goes into an angle that a lot of people might not be aware of. It goes to tensions between the U.S. and Japan during the 1930s. There's a guy, Donald M. Shug, at the University of Hawaii who published a paper on this. And he says that the U.S. military began to view Hawaii's fishing fleet as a serious threat to national security. So... You know, at this time, Hawaii is still not a U.S. state, right? Mm -hmm. So when the Japanese government arranged for many of Hawaii's Japanese fishermen to attend fishing schools in Japan, there were concerns that these fishermen were actually being interrogated uh, by Japanese Navy officials. Yeah, but to what end, Ben? To what end? So this eventually, okay, we'll walk through this real quick. Mm -hmm. So in 1940, three years after the invention of SPAM, 
Suspicions about the loyalty of Japanese immigrants resulted in the implementation of a federal statute that stopped or banned fishing vessels of five tons or more from obtaining licenses unless the person who owned the vessel was a U.S. citizen. The next year, 1941, they passed a law prohibiting, quote, aliens from fishing with uh, gill, purse, or these different kinds of nets within one mile of shore because they wanted to preserve the fishery resources for native Hawaiians and U.S. citizens. This ended careers of a lot of people in the fishing industry in Hawaii. And then that meant that without spam, these other canned meats and sardines, the economy would have collapsed. They had to find something to replace this massive fishing industry. And let's not forget about Executive Order 9066, um, where Franklin Roosevelt basically banned Japanese-American citizens who were occupying military zones and had them put in internment camps. So this whole anti-Japanese sentiment was wide rife in the country. And uh, weirdly enough, it trickled down to this canned meat product. And of course, these tensions... These discriminatory laws and economic practices were only ripples of a much larger event on the horizon, which is World War II. And when the war begins, spam also has a part to play. Yeah, it does, because um, if you remember, spam was pretty new around the time that uh, America was getting involved in World War II. But it was a popular option for soldiers because— um, getting fresh meat or fresh anything to Hawaii was difficult um, for American soldiers stationed there. So the U.S. government was sending spam, or it might not have been exactly spam. Wasn't it just kind of like leftover meat parts that they had that they shipped to Hormel, and then they made them like spam-like stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Hormel's canning them, but it probably wasn't exactly what spam is today or what we think of it today. And it was cheap, non-perishable, could withstand all sorts of weather conditions, but <laughs> soldiers weren't exactly happy with spam. They were sometimes eating it three times a day, so I'm sure they were tired of it. Some of them even wrote hate mail to Hormel, which the company <laughs> kept in a, quote, scurrilous file. And some of my favorite disses are, um, quote, Meatloaf without basic training, ham that didn't pass its physical, and the real reason war was hell. That's great. That's fantastic. It's pretty harsh. Those are some sick burns. Do you think that this would have been, like, branded as spam? Would it have come in the tins, like, with the logo on it and everything? Because you kind of made a point on your episode of Food Stuff, back when it was called that, that almost like the the proper spam kind of got a bad rap because this was like almost like bootleg spam, but it was being manufactured in Hormel's canning facilities. So I'm wondering if they like branded it differently or called mm -hmm. it like MRE spam or something, <laughs> or I don't know. Did you find anything about that in your research? I didn't find much about that at all. In fact, the the fact that it wasn't spam was sort of a deep cut. It was kind of lost on people, clearly, right. because yeah. they, were, they were writing those letters, those angry letters. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, and it's also, you know, it reminds me of the kind of people that uh, write mean things about podcasts. You know? Well, it's also, mm -hmm. in the case of spam, there's an interesting linguistic thing that occurs because they're using it as one word to describe this umbrella of umbrella of processed meat. So the <laughs> image, it just got weird for me. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's, it's similar to the way that uh, instead of people saying search for something on the internet, they say Google it, or instead mm -hmm. of make a yeah. copy, Xerox this, yeah. right? And it's it seems pretty certain in the history that 
only a few soldiers received genuine spam, but because there had already been this Kami product around since the late 30s, that's just what people called it. So Mm -hmm. maybe spam got an unfair uh, mark, a scurrilous mark on its its reputation. I wonder if it's possible, too, that because spam was new and at the time— there was such a push to be, like, behind the boys and, you know, all American soldiers and America's doing great in the war. Uh, Annie is Annie is throwing <laughs> some great propaganda. Yeah. She's thumbs. got these tiny American flags that she's yeah. gently twisting between her thumb and forefinger. She mm-hmm. shot off a firecracker. I always come with props. <laughs> I always come with props. It's very true. Um, but I wonder if maybe they made a miscalculation mm-hmm. and thought— oh, Spam is supporting the soldiers, and this will really get our name out there. Mm-hmm. And it did, but not in the way that they were hoping. <laughs> right. Oh, man, do so you think this is like a like an attempt, like a ham-fisted, huh? Attempt hey, at a PR kind of a stunt? A fisted attempt. Spam-fisted attempt. That's even better, Annie. Mm-hmm. You took it to the next level like you do. <laughs> uh, I'm just curious if there was an element of that behind mm-hmm. it, because I could see, I could see the calculation there. Because it is free advertising when you think about it. That's a good point because these soldiers from the U.S. are traveling around the world. They're going to Europe. They're going to the Pacific. They're going to various different islands, and they're bringing spam along with them. Yeah, and it's a government contract, so you're getting paid to Mm. do it. I bet there was something like that going on. And the backlash from the soldiers generated one of my favorite quotes about spam, because there are a lot of excellent quotes about spam. Hormel describes it as meat with a pause button, which I love. I'm going to need you to unpack that for for us a little bit. (laughs) Meat with a pause button, meaning like it never goes bad, or is that the implication? Yeah, like when you put it in that can, it's like a time capsule. It's just going to stay the same. I got it. Pushing pause. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool, I, yeah. I, I just remember, it was my dad's. I, I was a hand-me-down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something, you know? I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, 
Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Another one of my favorite quotes comes from a 1945 New Yorker piece, and it was all about as a profile on Jay Hormel. And in the article, the author wrote, I got the distinct impression that being responsible for spam might be too great a burden on any one man. I love that idea. Sort of be, being cursed by the success of spam. Yeah. <laughs> So is it that the soldiers genuinely didn't like the taste, or is it? do you think it's really more because, as you said, they were eating it so often? I think it was a couple of things. I think it was they, they were eating it so often. They were eating it cold. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons I found when looking into this question of why spam is so popular in Hawaii and like other Asian Pacific countries is because not only were they kind of their hand was forced because of the, the things you were talking about earlier where Japanese immigrants couldn't um, fish. Mm -hmm. They also were incorporating spam in ways that were delicious. Like they, they were putting them in recipes that they made anyway. They were adding them into spam fried rice or spam and eggs. Um, soldiers were just eating them cold out of the tent. <laughs> I think I have very limited experience with spam. I don't know about the two of you. but Limited. I, limited. limited. Yeah, purposely. I, <laughs> I will make a confession that Casey and Annie probably know, you probably don't know. Um, I received in my early years working, when we all started working together, I received an MVP award. Do you remember this, Annie? It's just three cans of spam that have been wrapped together yeah. and artistically uh, artistically de designed so that parts of the spam logo say MVP or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's it's one of the most prestigious awards I've ever received. Oh, yeah. It's also still in our office in case of an emergency. Yes. Um, in case of a trophy emergency. In case of a trophy emergency. In case we're trapped here and we have to eat spam. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I think about that. But 
but the um, I might have just a little bit more familiarity with this stuff because uh, in Boy Scouts we would camp a lot and we uh. would have to we would have to eat that stuff and we tried to find different ways to make it taste interesting so mm. it's not the same old thing. But it's already spiced. I mean, what, what, what else does it need? <laughs> it's got potato starch. <laughs> yeah, right. The secret ingredient. Sodium nitrate. Mm. I don't know what else you're missing. But yeah, it's. I, I think it's a thing that a lot of people did, as you said. They they assimilated spam. Yes. Um, and to get back to the the point, they were putting it in things that I think were probably much, well, definitely much more flavorful. Mm-hmm. And so they had a positive experience with Spam um, in on Hawaii after soldiers left. A lot of soldiers, when they went home, they brought with them well, their distaste. They were also turning Spam into Spaminade, right? I mean, <laughs> they were flooded and inundated with all these, this Spam, mm-hmm. and because they couldn't uh, get protein from fishing. And didn't the U.S. kind of like send them a lot of the Spam? Because yes. they had like a surplus of the stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't just during World War II. That right. continued during the Korean War as well, I believe. Yes, because um, spam was a- included in a lot of foreign aid packages. Mm-hmm. And uh, during the Korean War, people made something that I'm not entirely sure what's in there. And other folks weren't either, but they called it Army Stew. <laughs> and uh, spam was one of the ingredients that we do know was featured in Army Stew. Army Stew. Mm-hmm. And uh, to this day, Korea is Spam's second largest market, and it's a popular gift on Lunar New Year in that country. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Is yeah. there, um Do they have different varieties of Spam in different countries, like different flavors and such? I, yes. I'm not, I couldn't speak to specifics, but I do know that there's a wide variety of mm-hmm. spam flavors and that it does vary in um, different countries. But Hawaii for sure is the biggest <laughs> market. Yeah. Do you have some stats for us about that? Do I ever? <laughs> um, and I'm not sure. I didn't know that spam had this association with Hawaii until I did that, the research for that episode. But I think it's pretty common knowledge, at least here in the United mm-hmm. States. But Hawaiians consume about 5 million pounds of Spam every year, which is about 2 million, a little over 2 million kilograms. And on average, that's about 3 pounds per person or about 1.3 kilograms a year. Or I think around 6 cans a year for every man, uh, every man, woman, child, any any type of human Mm -hmm. is consuming about 6 cans of Spam a year. I can't, we, we completely forgot. Hey, Casey. Yes. Do, do you have do you have any experience or familiarity with spam? Just the uh, the Weird Al song, the REM parody. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Wait, which one is that? Spam and the place where you live. You know that one? I don't. I yes. know that one. That's, yeah. a deep, that's a deep Weird Al cut. Well, it's Stand by REM, but yeah, it's yeah, no, Stand. You know? <laughs> I, I was not aware there was a. Is this what, is this like classic uh, Weird like, Al? Yeah, mid eight. I mean, it's whenever Stand was out. So, How about yeah. that? I do yeah. not. Okay, Casey on the case, yeah, turning thank us you, on. Casey, Casey on the case. case. I like that. Yep. <laughs> that has a sound effect and everything, Annie. Oh yeah. Mm. The, I mean, it's got to. Because he's on the case. We we love being able to drop the sound cues so multiple times. Sure. We'll do the, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. just listen after after Casey spins this into <laughs> spins be, the spam into gold. <laughs> I'm gonna be shocked. <laughs> um, Hawaii also has what looks to be one of the the festivals I I would just be over the moon to attend. Mm-hmm. It's called Spam Jam Festival in Waikiki, and I was looking at pictures for it. 
There's just mascots dressed as all the different types of spam. There's spam eating <laughs> contests. I think somebody got married there once. It looks awesome, and I would love to go. And um, spam is also called Hawaiian steak, which I wasn't sure if it was a joke or not when I was reading that. In the state, they call it Hawaiian steak. Okay, so actual native Hawaiians yes. call it that. From what I understand, from what the internet tells me, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm just I'm trying to figure out if it, if we can say that or if that's mocking it. Yeah, Ray, I I'm not here to mock. Surely they also have steak in Hawaii. Surely they do, but uh, probably not. They prefer as much. spam. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure steak is certainly much more expensive than it true. is here on the mainland. That's a very good. That point. is true. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of take for granted the fact that they are sort of isolated and and, and uh, require all of their goods to be shipped in, literally, you know, by plane or by sea. Yeah which makes things expensive. So the legacy of Spam established during World War II and the Korean War takes this canned food product, this animal matter from Minnesota uh, (laughs) to its new home in, you said Hawaii is by far the largest market, Korea is second. That should surprise a lot of people, right? Because Spam feels like such an American food because of the way it spread across the planet. Yeah, it surprised me. I do find it really fascinating that it's so localized. It's so specific where people love it. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like the rest of the world and, and the rest of the U.S. were kind of like, Meh, that's that weird food thing. <laughs> what is that exactly? <laughs> uh, but I would like to mention that there is an amazing – I've never been, but listeners have sent like um, – some some stuff they've gotten from this museum mm-hmm. in um, Austin, Minnesota, which is, like you said, Spam Town USA. And if anyone has the opportunity, I highly recommend it. It's hands-on. It's, <laughs> well, you, you get, get to, to like, it. touch the Spam? <laughs> they, I think you mean hands-on, right? <laughs> nice. You get to race to see how many uh, cans of fake. It's fake Spam that you can make in a minute. It's practice make? spam? Yeah, like you're trying to shove it into the can <laughs> and you're competing against uh, like a robot. So I it's kind of like the world of Coca-Cola in Atlanta, but like yes. with spam. Yes, I would hope that you would have the opportunity to sample different types oh. of spam, the spams of the world. A la world of Coke. That would be super Ooh. cool. Um, mm-hmm. We we didn't really talk about this, and, and um, I, don't know, it's, I think it's fine to save it for the end. Spam is cooked in the can. <laughs> yeah, the way it's made. Isn't right? that weird? I, that that struck me as super odd. And there's a reason for that, right, Annie? Yeah, and it has to do with that whole shelf stable thing because you wanna you wanna mix the meat in a vacuum and vacuum seal it and then cook the whole can. That's part of the whole meat with a pause button thing. It's so nothing gets in there that you don't want, unless maybe you don't want the spam, but that's a whole different <laughs> argument. Um and when you cook it, the the Meat breaks down, and you're left with uh, a little a little loaf of spam and some juices. Mm-hmm. We're not making it sound very appetizing. Semi gelatinous, almost. Mm-hmm. Not as gelatinous as it could be if it didn't have that additive, right? Because there wasn't there mm-hmm. one of those additives that keeps it from forming like a gross congealed layer of goo on the top mm-hmm. to make something that's already not super appetizing practically <laughs> in, in, in edible. And I'll tell you guys, I will. I make a mean spam fried rice if you ever Ooh, want to come over. I'd be cool with that. If mind. you cut it into little cubes like that, right? It's like you hide it. It's like the way I feed my kid vegetables. You know, uh. <laughs> I chop the carrots up so small you can't even see them. I mean, spam for all intents and purposes probably tastes fine, but 
the texture of it and the look of it and the idea of it just give me the give it, me the, the gross outs. It's the fact that it comes out can shaped. I think for a lot of people, you see the rills in the can and yeah, yeah. But not everybody, not everybody hated it, right? We said Hawaiians welcomed it with open arms. People in uh, parts of the Pacific Rim also really enjoyed it, and the Russians liked it. They called it Roosevelt sausage. Uh, to be fair, Russian Russian food's pretty gross. I feel like in terms of cuisine, Russians are very familiar with a lot of canned meat products, you know? Yeah. You know, like anchovies, different potted meats. So maybe it was just something that already seemed familiar to them. Okay, and first of all, for any Russian listeners out there, I want to p- apologize for insulting <laughs> the entire cuisine of Russia, but uh, I just never really run across uh, Russian food that was particularly appetizing to me. It seems like a lot of cabbage, a lot of, like, borscht. lard-based things and uh, borscht and, you know, very uh, rustic kind of there's a stuff. Great, there's a great Russian restaurant uh, up north of Atlanta where we are based, and I would highly recommend checking it out. And actually, you know, in defense of Russian food, this is totally non-spam related, <laughs> but in defense of Russian food, uh, make friends with someone who cooks Russian food yeah. themselves, and it'll be amazing. Yeah. There's always like 30 dishes of things. Yeah. I, I would imagine that there's probably a lot of food that is historically Russian that is, we just have lost. Yeah. We, we've forgotten that it is, or we've made it our own thing. I, I'm sure there's, I'm not thinking of any right now, <laughs> but I'm sure there's good Russian food. And we do like a chicken Kiev. Yeah, we could do a Russian food update too. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to get some emails about this one. Another, one of, perhaps one of the most famous Russian fans of spam was Soviet premier Nikita Khrushchev. Oh, yeah. He wrote about spam in his memoirs uh, called Khrushchev Remembers. Not the most amazingly innovative thing. Like, sounds like a threat, though. <laughs> Khrushchev remembers. <laughs> yeah, he never forgets. <laughs> yeah, he probably had some threats in there. He probably took some shots. But uh, in, in the memoir, he specifically shouts out Spam by saying, quote, there were many jokes going around in army, some of them of color, of American Spam. It tastes good nonetheless. Without Spam, we would not feed our army. We would have lost our most fertile land. Most fertile land? Da. Got it. Got it. <laughs> Who was that Russian guy? Uh, it was uh, it was Khrushchev. It was, it was <laughs> his the ghost, ghost of back Khrushchev. from the grave. They're terrible. Oh my gosh. We've got to I've got to practice on the accents folks. But he raises an interesting point. You know that similar to what was happening with uh, war survivors in the countries on the Pacific Rim, there were people who would have starved without access to this easily transportable infinitely durable food. Yeah, kind of along the same lines. Margaret Thatcher called it a wartime delicacy. She called spam a wartime <laughs> delicacy. And it's interesting, I think, because there is an odd sense of nostalgia for spam that a lot of people have. And I feel that it, it needed time to get away from the war, the direct aftermath. Mm-hmm. But then after that, people had this association with spam it was there for me when i needed it oh. yeah well, it's also one of those things where it's like it, it hasn't changed much the branding is the same it's it, you know people have fond memories of that and they like the idea of you know everything in this in this fast-paced mixed-up world of ours everything's always changing a mile a minute but we can rely on spam Yes, the spam never changes. It's like our true north. <laughs> there we go. The true north of canned animal matter. I, I do have a question. This is something that 
I, I was wondering if, if we could explore together. How did spam also become a term for uh, deluges of bizarre emails? Well, Ben, it has to do with Monty Python. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That sketch, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Can you describe the sketch? We should just play a clip of it. What you got then? Well, there's egg and bacon, uh, egg, sausage and bacon, egg and spam, egg, bacon and spam, egg, bacon, sausage and spam, spam, bacon, sausage and spam, spam, egg, spam, spam, bacon and spam, 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 egg and spam, 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 baked beans, spam, spam, spam and spam. Oh, lobster thermidor, crevettes with a mornay sauce, garnish with truffle pate brandy, and a pie-gate on top and spam. Everyone anything without spam in it? Well, spam, egg, sausage and spam. There's not got much spam in it. I don't want any spam. The end credits for that episode, by the way, include um, spam with every company member. <laughs> spam Terry Jones, Terry Spam Sausage, Spam Egg Spam Gillian. <laughs> um, so and it's that, the idea of just like inundating you with something? Yeah, like annoying you, always kind of just blaring in the back of your mind. Um, it has no appreciable content. <laughs> it's omnipresent. But as you can imagine, mm-hmm. Hormel doesn't exactly love that association. No way. Yeah. <laughs> no way. I think they've even tried to, I think there was some very sh- quickly defeated legal way they tried to. <laughs> well, it's not like anybody branded spam. It's just in the zeitgeist. People yeah. just like toss it around, you know? It's, yeah. No one owns it. I, I don't, I'm not Who sure. Who are they going to sue? Like everyone? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'm not sure what they thought they could just send out a message to everyone. A spam message and say, please. <laughs> Use a different term for this, what this thing is that we're sending. And usually when people or institutions or companies attempt to do something like that, Mm -hmm. they just make the problem much, much worse, such as when a celebrity politely asks the internet to take down a photo of them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So they've probably done the math and they've thought, if we ask people to not do this, it's not going to work. I I know there's some... um, there's a, a bit of a renaissance sometimes for spam every so often in more high-end restaurants, right? Yes. Um, I saw this a lot when I was in San Francisco a couple, a year or so ago. And there's one restaurant, I think it's called Leo Leo Yacht Club, something like that. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of spam options on their menu. And it's a very nice Restaurant. But is it Hawaiian, like yes, themed? It is. So, it's like, what's this loco moco I keep hearing about? A moco oh, loco? Loco moco is good. It's like spam with gravy or something. Yes. Right? With rice, maybe? Mm-hmm, it's rice, spam, gravy, and a fried egg. You can also get it with ground beef or other meats. Or a hamburger patty. Even, yes. Right? Yeah. So that's what I had. I I didn't have spam locomoco. Oh, okay. Okay. I okay. did have the other one, and it was but very That's interesting very that there's, like, high-end Hawaiian restaurants that still use this uh, pretty cheap, not very nutritional canned meat. And speaking of nutrition, I just want to point out real quick that uh, one of these cans of Spam is 12 ounces, and it uh, apparently contains about six servings, mm-hmm. um, which contain – so the six servings in a can, which yes. – come on, really? Yeah, you're eating a very small can. can. <laughs> you're eating the can. Uh, and it contains uh, 25% of the daily recommended fat 
uh, intake for the U.S. and 33% of, of the sodium. So It's not yeah. a health food? No, no. apparently what? not. But, <laughs> but there's another stat. Americans eat approximately 3.8 cans per second. I have a problem with that stat because I think Hawaii is throwing off the average. I <laughs> Yes, I would agree. I can't really recall spam ever coming up in my childhood as an option. <laughs> I don't. Well, you clearly didn't have elderly parents like I did. Oh, really? Because they, you know, remembered it fondly from the wartime. Were they oh. spam fans? No, her, my parents weren't alive in World War II, but their parents were. Mm-hmm. And so it was something, you know, a lot of people that went through the Depression, they like, mm-hmm. they, they learned how to hoard properly. Right. And they learned how to like be frugal and like use canned meats and things. Like mm-hmm. I remember growing up and my grandpapa would make uh, brains and eggs, mm-hmm. Whoa, which is like really? brain. It's literally, I didn't even realize this until many years later. It's like cow brains and mm-hmm. eggs, but it was like a cheap part that you could just, you know, added a little texture and a little flavor to your eggs. Same with Spam. Or uh, something called liver pudding or Ooh. scrapple is what it's known as in yeah. the, uh, in the where, not the Midwest, like up in Dutch, German, yeah, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania area. Me. Yeah, exactly. I liked all of those things and didn't think anything of it. But they're both kind of these congealed meat mm. cubes that you then slice up and fry like Spam. So there's, there's, there's other analogs to Spam sure. for sure. Absolutely. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool, I, yeah. I, I just remember, it was my dad's. I, I was a hand-me-down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something, you know? I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. These are foods that come about out of necessity, you know, and I think necessity and nostalgia are inextricably in, intertwined here. So I guess, I guess the next question would be, what is, the, what is the future of spam? Are they slowing up? Are they speeding up? I think they, they, they're in a good place. I definitely don't think that they need to be worried. I, Hawaiians love it. Yeah, they're going to keep the market going. Sure. Um, like we said, these fancier restaurants, and this is a trend we see a lot where the combination of high-end and low-end, mm-hmm. I've seen around Atlanta government cheese at really nice restaurants <laughs> right, right. pretty frequently. I, so I don't think they have to be worried. But what they should be worried about is theft. That's right. Okay, mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about this? Yes. We love I, I well, I can't speak for you, but I, yeah, I love I love a good heist story. Do you love a good heist story? No, you were wrong. You shouldn't have spoken to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, of course I love a good heist story. Especially a, when it involves an absurd potted meat. A spam heist story is mm. it's up there. That's a good one. Lately there have been a, a spate of spam thefts in Hawaii. Ooh, nice. In one account, three women filled a cart with 18 cans of Spam at a drugstore and made a dash for the exit. But this customer, he just planted himself in front of the doors and said, what are you doing with that Spam? He didn't say that, but along those lines, and they they made a run for it, and they did not succeed in their heist. But enough people have that now some stores have started storing their cans of Spam locked in those plastic cases that are typically used for Expensive items. Electronics. Like razors. Electronics. Yeah, razors. razors, sure. Yeah. Now spam is back there. You have to go ask for a key <laughs> for <laughs> the, your spam. The reason for this is super interesting. It has to do with a change in the law in Hawaii where I think at the, at the, like in the past, theft – up to $300 was considered a felony, mm-hmm. and then they raised it to 700 So you could steal up to $700 worth of spam, and it would be just a misdemeanor if they caught you. Right. But you also, it's like, how are you going to, you know, track down the perp if you don't catch them doing it? Mm-hmm. And the fact that this famous spam shelf stability means that you don't have to fence it right away, right? right? You can, like, sit <laughs> right. on your stash for a while. And this great article from Grub Street that you turned mm-hmm. us on to, Annie, Hawaiian grocery stores reportedly overrun with spam bandits. Mm-hmm. Spamdits. <laughs> Spamdits. Um, that uh, it's, it's like an epidemic, and it's a, a lot largely the article conjectures. Uh, folks are stealing the stuff so that they can flip it mm-hmm. and buy drugs. Um, mm-hmm. But it's so flippable because the market for spam in Hawaii is like through the roof. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Tina Yamaki, the the president of Retail Merchants of Hawaii, calls it organized retail crime. And she she's spoken a lot about the spam black market and how you can buy spam out of somebody's car, like out of their trunk. Wow. It's just, I you know, usually if I see somebody with a ton of canned meat mm. in their trunk standing by the side of the road, my first instinct isn't to ask them how much <laughs> what the going price is. You clearly are not a spam fan, Ben. I'm not built. You know what? I'm, I, I can say safely I'm a fan, but I don't think I'm built to be a spam tycoon. I hope they're out there somewhere in Hawaii. I hope there's a black market spam tycoon, and I hope that you are listening to this show. Uh, we want to May hear, God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> May God have mercy on your spam. That's right? right. I think we all want to hear spam recipes from listeners if you're a fan of spam. Well, speaking of spam recipes, we remember we talked about like how the Hormel company is doing and moving mm-hmm. forward or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, they've really embraced a lot of this kitsch surrounding spam and like the masubis and all that. Mm-hmm. And they have like recipes on their site for uh, this is fantastic National Geographic article by April Fulton shows some images of some of the stuff that I'm talking about. One of them is a, a Hello Kitty spam musubi that they show you how to make. Um, they also have a tour, a national tour called the Tiny House of Sizzle Tour. Uh, where they are shopping around the whole U.S. of A, um, a spicy Spam breakfast burrito recipe uh, made by their chef, Jordan Andino. And it's like a traveling like Spam food truck, sort of the way you see the Oscar Mayer Wiener uh, mobile or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Spam's not slowing down. They're, they're, they're rising to the occasion. They're adapting to the times. Yeah, they're adapting times. They always have. I want to show you guys one of my favorite pictures. So, Annie, on this show, we love vintage advertisements. Oh, I do too. So that's pretty excellent. Spam Dandy mm-hmm. is one of my one of my favorites, and they have these collections of all their ads uh, that have the exact nostalgia tone um, for anybody who enjoyed our previous episode on what was it? Noel was it uh, Meat Jello? That? Oh, yeah. yeah. The aspects? Aspects. Yeah. And, and also just like various savory gelatin dishes mm. that were very popular as like centerpieces mm-hmm. and made you uh, seem like you really had your homemaking skills in order. And spam, I'm sure, yeah. it, it's all part of this like food of the future movement. Yeah. The idea that, oh, we'll just eat out of tins and that's super progressive and like shows that we have money or something, even though it was cheap and gelatin right. was cheap. Mm-hmm. It was a very odd dichotomy and uh, really interesting to look back on. Your yeah. gelatin, just when you see pictures of those things uh, at the center of a dining table, yeah. it strikes me as Lovecraftian. I'm going to be honest; it's <laughs> something from like the darkness beyond the stars. Oh, I love looking at a good aspic or meat jelly. <laughs> they're they're hilarious, and they are that interesting intersection of at the time, if you didn't have a lot of money, you, you wanted to put a lot of work and artistry into a thing to show that you were successful and that you could afford to do this. But it was a cheap food thing. It was Everyone was participating in kind of this masquerade, mm-hmm. this facade. And, and Spam is a similar food in that it does have that futuristic, it'll last forever vibe, but it's very cheap. And during the, um, the recent recession in 2008, because of this, Spam saw an increase of sales of 10% because, yeah, it is a food that, that people, people can't afford. And, and there aren't strict numbers, but according to the Hormel website, mm-hmm. um, they estimate 12.8 cans of Spam are consumed every second across the planet. 
Mostly in Hawaii. And that's, <laughs> not even, that, that's not even to speak of the ones that are just hoarded in a, in a bomb shelter. That's right. right. Or in the trunk of a Cadillac driving somewhere oh. near you. <laughs> I love it. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm filled with gratitude uh, at the end of this episode for you, Annie. My heart is just bursting out of my chest with gratitude. Clearly more gratitude than either Ben or Casey are capable of mustering. <laughs> So I win! (laughs) Annie, I I wasn't really listening when Noel was talking, but I do want to say thank you so much for coming on the episode. I'm kidding, Noel. I I think we're both really happy that you took the time here and uh, taught us so much about spam. I'm wondering if I'm going to cook some this weekend. We've talked so much about it. I feel like we've almost, in a way, consumed it ourselves just by exploring this concept. I think we should do a potted meat, like, uh, uh, potluck. Let's do it. Let's get it. It would be a potluck, yeah. a potted, a potted, a potted meat, meat luck. Mm-hmm. A potted meat luck. Mm. <laughs> this is the office to host such an event. There would be yeah. very creative um, concoctions. Mm. Behind the curtain, folks, uh, we recently hung out after work and had a game night where we learned. Uh, well, I think you already knew all the games, Annie, but uh, we both learned some really cool stuff. So, yeah. shout out to Dixit, right? Dixit. Fun to say, fun to play. That should be their tagline. That they can should have it. be their tagline. Yeah. Can have it. You're going to give it to them for they, free? Well, I don't know. They, they can send me some some swag, okay. some, some mugs or something. You guys can have Dixit it. It mugs. was so fun. It was, it was really, a, really a joy, and it was a successful game night, and I look forward to doing it again. Um, but I also look forward to having you, Annie, on the show again. Yes, please. Yes, please. This was so, this was so much fun. Yes, we're so glad you enjoyed it. Uh, I'm a huge fan of food history, as you know, from some of our works outside of this show. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in the meantime, before you make another return appearance, where can our listeners hear more of your work with How Stuff Works? You can find me um, over at Saver Podcast. You're internet humans. I'm sure you can find it. But I will say it's Saver without the U. So for the (laughs) non-American listeners among you. um, And I also... Am a co-host of a show called Stuff Mom Never Told You, which you can Google, Google right away, and you'll mm-hmm. find it. Fantastic shows! Do check them out. Uh, they're shows that I personally listen to in my free time. So, Ooh. okay, yeah, I don't want to fanboy out too much, but <laughs> maybe Thank I'll ask you. for your autograph after the show. I definitely listened to the spam episode today and cribbed most of my notes for this episode from that episode. <laughs> so this is where the, the this is like this a is weird kind yeah. Of, you know? yeah, yeah. The snake that consumes its tail. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we have more tales to tell. We had earlier uh, said that we would be exploring some more spooky stories as we lead up to Halloween. So tune in next time when we delve into the strange story of... Well, mummies. Yeah, Mexican mummies, to be precise. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, I'd like to thank Casey, our super producer, Alex Williams, who composed our theme, uh, research associates Christopher Hasiotis and Eves Jeffcoat. And Ben, as usual, I'd like to throw a little thanks your way, my friend, for just being you. I would like to treat that thanks like a boomerang, add some extra thanks to it, and make sure it gets right back to you. Why do you always have to one-up me on the thanks, man? I'm not, man. I just like hanging out. All right, cool. We'll see you next time, folks.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.